Very thankful to to have um, everyone here. I have my own. There we go. I'm on. Uh, I have my own family here this morning, so uh, I'm, I let it slip yesterday that I was preaching, and so they decided to come. <laughs> so, uh, be sure that you uh, do me a favor and embellish how much you enjoyed the sermon this morning. Um. I want to make a, a, another uh, a, a plug for LTC. We have our LTC registration has started, and uh, this remaining of this month, which is a few days in December, we're doing that, uh, looking for coaches, and then we're going to be starting practices probably the second week in uh, January. Did I cut out? I think I cut out. I'm not, I'm not hearing myself. You know, I'm, I'm getting a lot of sh- How about now? I'll stay right here. How about now? Okay. There's something about me and microphones. I don't know what it is. Last time I, we had some issues, didn't we? Um, I also wanted to congratulate everyone here this morning because you did it. You made it. You made it through. And, I, and, and I'm not talking about the, the 10 hours of cooking for the 25 minutes of eating. I, I'm not talking about your in-laws, although that might have been tough. Uh, I'm talking about Black Friday. You made it through the stampedes and the door-breaking buster, door-buster deals, or I I don't know what those are. Uh, Friends, you survived Black Friday. And and since you survived Black Friday, that means that now it is now the Christmas season. Um, I'm one of those people that I really don't like to talk about Christmas or think about Christmas until about Thanksgiving Day afternoon. It just seems like things, the stores start putting stuff out earlier and earlier. It was like mid-October when Hobby Lobby started having Christmas stuff up. It's just too much. I don't even really want to listen to Christmas songs until Thanksgiving Day. And then I'm like, okay, we can do it now. Uh, but when the season is here, I'm, I'm all about it. And I really enjoy Christmas movies. And again, I only watch those during Christmas season because it doesn't make sense to watch The Grinch in July. It just seems weird, right? So, and, and I realize everybody has a, an opinion about Christmas movies. Everyone has their favorite. So I thought we would just take a quick poll just to kind of see. Uh, so in a second, ra- raise your hand if you're a fan of uh, some of these movies. So let's see. First one we've got is It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. How about Home Alone? Sometimes I forget that that's a Christmas movie because I think of all the antics in there. How about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? Maybe you have a cousin, Eddie, that you can really relate to. Um, How about Elf? That one's pretty good. Um, How about another classic, Charlie Brown Christmas? 
Yeah. I think, I think we hit all the ages there. Now, these are all great movies. But I think we, we, we know, we all know what the all-time greatest Christmas movie is. That's Christmas Story. <laughs> right now, my sister-in-law is rolling her eyes because when it's on 24 hours on TNT, I, I usually watch not quite 24 hours of it, but I, I watch a lot of it. Most of you have seen this movie, but just in case you haven't, the movie revolves around a young boy named Ralphie who, in his pursuit of a particular toy, and I quote, an official Red Rider carbon action 200-shot BB gun. And if you've seen the movie, then you know throughout the movie that, that nine-year-old Ralphie becomes more and more obsessed in getting this BB gun. He, he's dropping hints with his parents. He writes an essay and gives it to his teacher. He even goes and visits Santa himself there at the department store. But each time he shares his dream of owning this Red Ryder BB gun, he's met with the same response. And so if you know it, I want you to say it with me. They say, you'll shoot your eye out. See right there, that's evidence right there. That is the greatest Christmas movie. That everybody knows that that saying. But despite the naysayers, Ralphie is, is determined. I'm, I'm going to keep trying to get this Red Rider BB gun. And so Christmas morning arrives, and there's all these presents, and, and the first present he opens, no BB gun. Opens the second one, no BB gun. Opens the third one, no BB gun. Opens this last present, and it's a horrible-looking uh, pink bunny pajamas if you can picture that, it's awful. And when all hope seems to be lost, his, his dad points to a present behind the tree. And he opens it up, and sure enough, it, he gets his Red Rider BB gun. And he's thrilled, and he's excited, and he's beyond thankful. And he has to use it right away, and, then, and you know the story that goes on with that most likely. But shortly after, the movie's over. But the, the movie doesn't... There's something the movie doesn't tell us, and it's something we all know, because we've all been in, in Ralphie's situation. And it's simply this. Over time, the allure of a gift fades. We all know this. When, when we were young, we, you wanted something for Christmas, and by the next Christmas, you'd probably already forgotten all about that present that you had last year. I've done this. I've... One year I wanted a bike, one year I wanted a Nintendo, one year I wanted a drum set. And, and why? Well, because of the allure, the excitement, the joy of that present, the previous year's present, had faded. And so I, I wonder, I wonder if sometimes we treat our relationship with Jesus like an old Christmas present. That we treat that relationship like we would a bike or a Nintendo or a Red Ryder BB gun. Do we let the allure of that relationship fade? And if we let it fade, then ultimately I wonder how thankful were we for it in the first place? Now if I'm honest, I I think at times we are thankful 
especially when, when things are going well, when you get that promotion at work, when that relationship is restored, you're thankful then. But what about the times when things aren't so easy? You know, we had a, we had a guest speaker, Donald Cherry, came uh, twice, and he talked about faith and doubt and how it's easy to have faith when things are going well. It's also easy to be thankful when things are going well. So coming out of a weekend where all we talk about is being thankful, I don't think the question is, are we thankful? I think the question is, are we enduringly thankful? Are we thankful in the good times and the bad times? Are we thankful in, in the good situations and the bad situations? Are we thankful in the everyday routine times of life? Because the truth is our relationship with God doesn't deserve the same treatment as a bike or a Nintendo or a Christmas present. Our relationship with God shouldn't be seasonal when we're thankful when we get it, but over time we, well, over time it fades. So to help us with this thought of being enduringly thankful... I'm going to try to put an image in your mind, and I want you to focus on this image. And so I want you to think about a donut. That's right, a donut. I'm not trying to make you hungry, but it kind of does get me there. You see, there's this little rhyme that can help us in our journey towards being enduringly thankful. And it can help us when, when our thankfulness starts to wane, and it can help us later on as a, as a tool just to, to remember to be thankful no matter what, what the season is. Because the, the little rhyme goes like this. As you go through life, make this your goal. Focus on the donut and not the hole. In other words, if, if you want to be enduringly thankful, it's not about what you don't have. It's about what you do have. Just looking at that, you, you, can, you can think. I'm going to go back to that donut it's easy at sometimes it is easy to go oh, i've got all that donut there but other times we're like ah oh, but i'm missing the middle right so the the goal is to focus on the donut so here here's the big idea if you don't remember anything else this morning i hope you remember a lot more than this but if you don't remember anything else i want you to remember to keep your eye on the donut if we want to be enduringly thankful, it's simple. We, we keep our eye on the donut. And I want to key in on, on one verse this morning uh, that can help us to be enduringly thankful, that can help us to keep our eye on the donut. And as we, as we look at this verse and we look at the history uh, surrounding it and we look at the person who wrote it, I think it's going to give us some insight. So we're going to turn to uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And to give you some context, the verse we're looking at this morning comes from a, a letter written by Paul to a church that he established 2,000 years ago in, a, in the second largest metropolis in Greece, the, the city of Thessalonica. And it's the very end, near the very end of his letter to them that he writes this, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will. For you in Christ Jesus. 
Now, to be honest, the first time I read through this seems pretty straightforward. I mean, it says give thanks in all circumstances, right? Why? Well, because Paul tells us to. God tells us to. That's why. But ultimately, if, if we simply give a verse a quick readover like that, we can, we can gain something, but sometimes we, could, we can miss out on a lot more that God has in store for us, maybe something that could be potentially life-changing. So the, the next three thoughts are simply observational truths I think we can pull out of 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And each of these truths will help us, keep our, help us in, in our pursuit to keep our eye on the donut. And the first one is this, it's always a good time to be thankful. It's always a good time to be thankful. Now let's, let's think about what we know about Paul from the book of Acts and the other epistles that are found in the Bible. Here are some of the trials that, that Paul faced as a missionary. 39 lashes from the Jews five times. Beaten with rods, it's actually three times, that's a typo, but beaten with rods three times, stoned once, shipwrecked three times, spent a day and night in the open sea, imprisoned, flogged. He went without sleep and food, sometimes clothes. He was in continual danger from rivers and robbers and religious people. And yet he says, give thanks in all circumstances. Now I know what part of the donut I'd be looking at if I just received 39 lashes or if I'd been thrown in jail or if I found myself bobbing up and down in the ocean. I'd be focused on all sorts of things that I didn't have. I'd be asking God, where are my floaties for, for this ocean? Where are my, my bolt cutters for these chains? But that's not what Paul did. Paul's posture was one of thanks, even in the midst of jail time and beatings and becoming shark bait. In fact, it, it reminds me of a, of a story about two twin boys uh, that I recently heard. There were two twin boys, and one was a pessimist, and one was an incurable optimist. And the parents were concerned about the extremes of behavior and attitude and finally went to uh, a psychologist to, to seek some help. The psychologist observed him for a little while. He said, okay, I want to try an experiment. So they had a room full of all the toys that a boy his, his age would like. And they put the, the pessimist in there. And then they had a room full of manure. And they put the optimist in there. And they've got those two-way mirrors, or one-way mirror, rather, where you could, they could watch and observe, and, and they wouldn't, the boys wouldn't be able to see him. So they go over, and, and they're watching the pessimist, and sure enough, he's complaining, uh, there's no one to play with. We've got all these toys, no one to play with. And then they, they go over, and they look in, in this room, and the boy is, the optimist is feverishly digging through this manure. The psychologist is freaking out, and he, he runs in there and says, what on earth are you doing? And the little boy says, well, I just figured with all this manure, there had to be a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> here, here's what's amazing. Even with 
with the life, even when life gave Paul a room full of manure, he was still thankful. In fact, just a, a short while before he wrote this letter, he was sitting in jail with his friend Silas. And you know what they were doing? They were singing hymns and, and praying to God. They're chained to a wall in the basement of an ancient jail, and they're singing hymns and praying to God. Because when you have God on your side, it's always a good time to be thankful. You see, Paul was holding on to what he did have rather than what he didn't have. And what he did have was Jesus. And you know, maybe life right now is giving you a room full of manure. Maybe the money isn't there. Maybe your kids have lost their mind. Maybe you're, you're sorting through a mess of your own doing. I, I don't know, but you can, like Paul, keep your eye on the donut. Because in the end, it's not about what you don't have. It's about what you do have. And if you're a Christian, you have Jesus. And with Jesus, it's always a good time to be thankful. Which leads me to my next point. And I lost control of my clicker. You go to the next one for me, Daniel. When you're thankful, you'll say it and you'll show it. And this will make a lot more sense when you understand the backstory of, of Paul's letter to the Thessalonian church. You see, just a few months before writing this, Paul and a, and a couple of missionary buddies, uh, Timothy and Silas, they were basically booted out of Thessalonica. Some of the church members had been captured by rioters and fearing for their lives, they, they sent Paul and them out of there. They had to hightail it out of town. And this absolutely broke Paul's heart because he and his team had established a church that was beginning to thrive and, and now they had to leave it prematurely. There was still teaching that, that needed to be done. There were still questions that needed to be answered. There was still work to be done to reach a city that was still predominantly worshiping uh, the Greek god Zeus. Well, about three months after that incident, Paul, Paul can't stand it anymore. He has to know what's become of this church. And knowing that if he, he himself goes, he'll be captured or stoned, so he sends Timothy to gather a report on how the church is holding up. And when the report comes back, Paul is pleasantly surprised because amidst persecution, amidst deaths within the church, amidst theological questions that have gone unanswered, the, the church has survived. It has stood strong. And what did Paul do? He, he thanked God. How? By, by saying it and by showing it. If we look at the surrounding chapters, we see how Paul opens this letter to the Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 says, We always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly as we pray to our God and Father about you. 
We think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only did he say it, and words are powerful, but not only did he say it with his words, but he showed it. He put feather to papyrus, paper to, pen to paper, and he wrote, we always thank God for you. Think if you, if you were a, a member of that church, and, and one day as you gather, amidst persecution and death and, and turmoil, you receive a letter from one of your leaders a letter that says how thankful he is for your endurance. A letter saying that he's been on his knees constantly thinking of you and praying for you. Church, the, the truth is thankfulness is never invisible or silent. When you're thankful, you'll say it and you'll show it. Now, years ago, whenever... The Oprah Winfrey show was still on the air. She would do this Christmas special that was called Oprah's Favorite Things. And she would give away all kinds of stuff. I mean, they, all kinds of, whatever her favorite thing was that year. And it was usually like 40 things. And they would, the, the really cool thing was everyone in the audience would get it too. So she wouldn't just say, hey, this CD player is really great. Or this MP3 player is really, everyone in the audience got one. And everybody always wanted to be there to receive it. But they never told them what day it was going to happen, so it was always a surprise. So the studio audience is always trying to pick the right day, right, to go to the, the, the correct show. And so I'm going to show you a clip of, I think it was back in 2010, and I want you to watch the reactions of the people and this is not fabricated. This is actually what happened. It's not cut to repeat itself over and over again. This is actually what happened. And in fact, we might not watch the entire thing because it goes a while. But uh, Daniel, let's go ahead and watch that. How many, how many of you actually meditate? How many people meditate? That is not... That's not a... <laughs> that's not a rousing reception. <laughs> I would say this, though. I would say that... The truth is that when you meditate, it allows you to think about a lot of things and to clear channel for giving, giving to others. So how about we meditate on this?
Okay, Daniel, we can go. They are excited. And uh, they were thankful that that was the day that Oprah was giving away all of her stuff. Now, if they could bounce off the walls for a $130 uh, bucket of popcorn and an iPad and a Volkswagen Beetle, I mean, those are, those are good things. But that, I mean, that man was weeping, <laughs> just weeping. I, I'm sure we can do a better job of showing our gratitude to the creator of his gifts. We can, we can show our thanks here together in, in worship and also when we're on the job, when we're at the store, when we're at a friend's house. There are numerous ways we can say it and show our thankfulness. Again, if, if that audience can get that excited over material gifts, how much more excited and thankful should we be over this eternal gift that Christ has given us? Which leads us to my, my last point, and that is, I'm going to go, the source of our thankfulness is rooted in Christ. If there was anything that Paul knew about himself, it was this, that he, he was a sinner. In fact, check out what he says in 1 Timothy 1.15. He says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Now, Paul calls himself the worst sinner. Why would, he, why would he say that? Well, to a certain degree, it's true. Fifteen years before he wrote this, he was a Christian killer. He was a Christian killer bent on eradicating Christianity before it even got started. In, in the book of Acts, we see a picture of Paul holding the robes of the men that are stoning a young Christian named Stephen. Later, we see him going to authorities to secure warrants to go arrest women, children, and men who are Christ's followers. And then we see him leading a posse to go 150 miles north to make those unjust arrests. So to call Paul a sinner would be an understatement. And because he was a sinner, do you know what he was entitled to? His own death. But Christ took Paul's sin, and he took my sin, and he took your sin to the cross. The, the debt was paid, and, and we were given the gift of eternal life with our Lord. And so as we turn the corner from Thanksgiving and we head into the Christmas season, thankfulness usually, usually has no problem. We usually have no problem being thankful until at least maybe the middle of January. Maybe that's where our, our New Year's resolutions kind of hit us square in the face. But we want to be enduringly thankful. So as, as we get into this Christmas season, we begin thinking about exchanging gifts with others. Let's not forget about the most important gift exchange of all time. Christ's life for ours. Eternal life for ours. Letting go of that control and anger and selfishness and bitterness and receiving the priceless gift given out of pure love. If, if anything, the Lord kind of gets the, the raw end of the deal, right? Let me ask you, have you ever received a gift from a child that was poorly assembled or uh, badly painted or maybe even just difficult to ascertain exactly what it was? 
You open it up and go, oh, right? Again, my mom is here. You can ask her. I've, I've done that several times. But how did, how did you receive that gift? Think about that. How did you receive that gift? You received it with joy and with grace and with love and with gratitude, right? Because they're giving themselves to you. They are giving part of themselves to you. It's, and it's messed up and it's far from perfect. But it's, it's them giving it to you. That's how God feels when you choose to exchange gifts with him. When you give your, your marred and your scarred and your, your far from perfect life to him. He loves that so much because now you can receive his gift of salvation. I began this morning talking about Black Friday. How ironic is it that we spend Thursday being thankful for what we have, and then we spend the very next day desperately searching for sales for the stuff we don't have? And I'm guilty of this too. Church, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 tells us to give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you want to know how a man who has been beaten and shipwrecked and stoned and left for dead could write these words, look no farther than Jesus. Because in and of ourselves, we are like Paul. We're entitled to death. But in Christ... In Christ, we're entitled to life. In Jesus, we've been given the the greatest gift known to mankind. And and it's a gift that endures in season and out of season, in good times and in bad times. It endures in the mundane, routine, everyday times. It's the gift of salvation through God's grace. So I'm going to ask you to, to remember that it's always good It's always a good time to be thankful. When you're thankful, you're going to say it and you're going to show it. And the source of our thankfulness is rooted in Christ. Because in and of ourselves, we are entitled to death. But in Christ, we're entitled to the gift of grace and eternal life. This morning, we offer an invitation. If there's something that this congregation that we can pray for, uh, we want to do that for you. If you'd like to meet with our shepherds, we'll have a couple up front, a couple in the back that uh, will be happy to talk to you. If you'd like to be part of the best exchange, gift exchange of your life and, and give your life to God and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, we invite you to come forward as we stand and as we sing.